Tonight we're looking at an unnamed woman. And maybe, just maybe, the Lord wants us to put our name where she is. Because maybe one day we will find ourselves where she is at. And we'll see what Jesus can do for us. Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 25. A certain woman, unnamed woman, which had an issue of blood for twelve years, had suffered many things of many doctors, had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather she continued to get worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in a press behind him, and she touched his garment. For she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway when she did that, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague, that disease. Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned him about to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? The disciples spoken to him. Now, I want you to understand the disciples are being cute here, maybe even a little sarcastic, because they say, what do you mean? This whole crowd is touching you. Why do you ask who touched you? And he looked around about to see who had done this thing. Verse 33, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before Jesus, told him all the truth. And then he said to her, Daughter, thy faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. The man with leprosy we looked at this morning was desperate. In desperation, he came to Jesus. The woman we're looking at tonight, she too is desperate, highly desperate. And she too comes to Jesus. The Bible tells us from this passage and from others that she has a disease that causes her to hemorrhage blood. She's been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. Every day of every week, of every month, of every year. 144 months of non-stop bleeding. We're not talking about a drip here and a drip there. The Bible calls it a fountain, an issue like turning on your tap, the water coming out of the faucet, that's how much blood she's losing every day. Her condition has sent her to doctor after doctor after doctor, general practitioner, specialist. She's been to them all, legitimate medical doctors, as well as witch doctors and sorcerers, and even doctors who practice Folklore, Trimities. She's been everywhere a woman can go 
to seek help for her medical condition. And going to all these doctors, she has spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. And she has got no help, no comfort, no relief. In fact, the Bible says things are getting worse. Because of her condition, she's physically exhausted, deeply anemic. She's emotionally depressed. Wouldn't you be after 12 years of no hope? She's financially bankrupt. She doesn't have a dollar to her name. She's socially shunned. Because of her condition, the religious leaders deem her unclean. She's spiritually limited. She's not allowed, because of her condition, to come to corporate worship like this tonight. This poor woman is running on empty. She's without hope. She might even be suicidal. She's ready to give up. Maybe some of you are tonight. And then she hears about Jesus. She hears about Jesus. The reports that she's heard about Jesus is threefold. She's heard that he's accessible. The common man can come to Jesus. You don't have to go to his entourage. You don't have to go to his handlers. The word is, you can come straight to the Son of God. And he receives not just the up and inners, but he receives the down and outers. He receives not just the rich, but he receives the poor. Oh yes, he receives the celebrities, but he also receives the insignificant nobodies. He's accessible. She knows that. That's what she's heard. He's also compassionate. He cares about people. The religious leaders don't care about people. They care about the law. They care about their profits. They care about their position, but they don't care about the people. But Jesus cares about people. He's accessible. He cares. And she's also heard, thirdly, that he has the power to heal. Yes, he's accessible. Yes, he cares. But none of that would really matter if he couldn't do something. He has the power to heal. And so she comes to Jesus. Now in her thinking, because of her condition... Because she's a Gentile, because she's a woman, she does not believe it's proper to come to him face to face. That's how low she is as she looks at herself in a mirror. That's where her self-esteem has taken her. She says, I can't come to see him face to face. I'm not worthy of that. But if I can just come behind him, and if I can just touch his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, 
I believe he will heal me. So Jesus is passing by. A crowd is with him as he moves through the street. And this lady pushes people aside, worms and squirms her way through the crowd, and finally gets close enough where she can stick her hand through an opening. And she touches Jesus. And instantly, immediately, as Mark likes to use that word, she's healed. She knows she's healed because the fountain of blood immediately dries up and goes away. And Jesus, sensing that someone has touched him for healing, stops. And he turns and he inquires, who has touched me? As I told you earlier, the disciples are laughing. <laughs> what is he talking about? Everybody's touching him. They're sarcastic a little bit. Master, you know that everybody's touching you. Why do you ask such a dumb question? They don't say it quite like that, but that's what they mean. And Jesus says, somebody has touched me. And in touching me, they have tapped into my divinity, my power. And they have found healing who is it? Let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus knew who it was? Yeah. He knows everything. He knew exactly who it was. And maybe he was even looking at her as he's talking. That's another one of those YouTube moments when we get to heaven. We can put it on and see what happened. But he asked, who has touched me? Who has tapped my power? Who has found healing? Why does he want the woman to raise her hand? I mean, why is it important for her now to speak up, to step out, if you will? Well, first of all, Jesus believes that if you receive something from him, you should publicly testify of it. Does that make sense? If you will not confess me before men, why should I confess you before the Father which is in heaven? Jesus doesn't call us to be secret agents. He doesn't call us to be in disguise when he does something for us that's life-changing and soul-saving and bodily healing and mind-straightening, he wants us to testify of it. So he wants her to publicly testify because he wants her to identify with him. He also wants to fortify her faith. The more you talk about Jesus the more you give Jesus away to other people, the more Jesus you'll have. You know that? The people who have the most Jesus are the people who give away the most Jesus. And so Jesus is teaching her something about growing her faith. Give Jesus away verbally to other people and you'll have more of him. 
And then he wants her to say, it's me. Because I'm sure the people know who she is. And he wants her to be free from the stigma of the people who run their yap. In other words, he wants everybody to know she is clean and she is whole. She's safe to be around and she can return to the church of her day and worship God. This woman finds healing. But I also want you to notice in verse 34, she finds salvation. The purpose of Jesus healing people was not just to heal people. Physical healing was always attached to spiritual healing. What Jesus did for the body, he wants to do for the spirit. What would it profit to heal a person's body on earth and they die and go to hell? Jesus not only wanted to give them a touch of heaven on earth by healing their body, he wanted to give them heaven for eternity. And in verse 34 it says, Jesus addressed her when she revealed who she was. He said, daughter, that word daughter is an interesting word. It's an affectionate term for somebody that you have a personal relationship with. Wow. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee what? Whole. Whole physically. Whole spiritually. Go in shalom. Go in peace. Because you now have peace with God. You now have peace with yourself. You now have peace with others. When Jesus comes into your life, he gives you peace. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Wow. She had an eventful day, didn't she? In desperation, she comes to Jesus. She's healed of her sickness. She's saved from her sin. She's made physically and spiritually whole. And she now has peace for the first time in 12 years. The Bible doesn't say this, but I think she went away shouting a little bit, folks. Click it up her heels. Because she met Jesus. When's the last time you and I got so excited about meeting Jesus? Pastor, wonderful story. Can we go home now? No. Because remember, every story has the rest of the story. The man with the leprosy was a good story, but it was not just a story about a man with leprosy. It's about you and I who have leprosy. It's called sin, and we need a great physician to heal our spirit, just like the great physician healed that man's body. Also, the story of the leper, if you recall, was about untouchable people shunned by the church, shunned by society, but yet God loves them. And God has something to offer them, and it's salvation, it's healing, it's hope, it's heaven. Well, what's this story about the woman 
What is it teaching us? Well, let me give you some implications real quick tonight. Implication number one from this story is God uses desperate situations to draw people to Him. Very few people come to Jesus when everything is normal and okay. When you're riding the rainbow, you don't need Him. When you got money in your pocket, you don't need Him. When you got your health, you don't need Him. When you got your marriage and your family, you don't need Him. But when you lose all of that, that changes things, doesn't it? You never know Jesus is all you need to Jesus is all you got. And God uses desperate situations like leprosy and a disease of hemorrhaging to bring people to himself. Maybe you got saved because of a separation or divorce. Maybe you came to Jesus because of a financial catastrophe or a loss. Maybe a death of a loved one brings you to Jesus. Maybe a disease brings you to Jesus. Maybe going to prison brings you to Jesus. Maybe persecution brings you to Jesus. You see... Bad things he allows sometimes. He doesn't cause it, but he allows it. Because in that bad, he wants to transform something good. He draws people through desperation to himself. Tully Blanchard would have never got saved lest he got fired from professional wrestling and lost a half a million dollar job. Then he came and gave his life to Jesus. Rusty Woomer would have never got saved unless he was on death row awaiting execution in Columbia, South Carolina, lower than a maggot. And he got saved and gave his life to Jesus. And yes, he was electrocuted, he should have been for what he did, but he's in heaven now. Tim Lee may have never come to Jesus lest he stepped on a mine in Vietnam and lost half his body. Rick Stanley may have never come to Jesus unless he was a hopeless heroin addict and Elvis no longer could bail him out anymore. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when you look at people's lives, it's oftentimes desperation that brings them to Jesus. They have no place else to go. Where could I go but to the Lord? The second thing we learn from this story is this. Everybody can come to Jesus and be made whole. We have a theology today that's prominent in many churches and preached from many pulpits that said God is the God of the elect. God is the God of the chosen. God is the God of the elite. God is the God of the special. And if you're not one of those, tough luck. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches it's a whosoever will. 
And anybody can come to Jesus. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad you can come to Jesus? Aren't you glad I can come to Jesus? Aren't you glad we can come to Him anytime, anywhere, with anything? And He will receive us. If you come, He'll never turn you away. That's what the Bible says. Whosoever will can come. You say, but I'm not worthy, Pastor. You can come. Pastor, I've got a sordid past. You can come. Pastor, I'm the biggest sinner in this place. You can come. Anybody can come. Thirdly, the Lord Jesus is the remedy for every desperation. You say, Pastor, I, I don't have leprosy. <laughs> Pastor, I, I don't have a hemorrhage. But you got something. And he has what you need. I, lo I love that song that the specks sing when they come. And Kim sings it quite frequently. There is a remedy. That's one of my repeat songs. You know what a repeat song is? You just keep cutting the button and starting it over. I've got about four of them, and I'll, I'll just wear them out because they minister to me. There is a remedy. It says that he's the answer for everything. Pastor, I've got sin. Well, he's a savior. Pastor, I've got sickness. Well, he's a healer. Pastor, I've got trouble. Well, he's peace. Pastor, I've got a need. He's a provider. Pastor, I've got danger. He's a protector. I've got a broken relationship. He's a reconciler. I've got sadness, he's joy. I've got gloom, but he's hope. Pastor, I'm in darkness, he's the light of the world. I think I covered it all. If I didn't, raise your hand and I'll get you. Whosoever can come, and whosoever comes will find in him what? Wow. Fourthly, anybody can come and he will meet their need. He's a need meter, particularly when it comes to sin. But fourthly, you can come with little faith or you can come with wrong faith. And he will meet you where you're at with your faith. Now this woman, let's think about her just a moment. She's a Gentile woman. She's been exposed somewhat to the Jewish beliefs. Maybe she's been to the Jewish synagogues at time past many years ago, as much as a Gentile could, a proselyte could, if you will. Maybe she's dabbled in religion, whatever the name of it would be. Maybe she was involved in the occult. Maybe she was involved in superstition. We don't know what her background was. But she believes that Jesus can heal her if she just touches his clothing because his clothing is magical. She thinks the power might be in his clothes. She doesn't know. Listen, sometimes we come to Jesus and we don't have a great faith. In fact, our faith is like that. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, 
you have all the faith that what? You need. You don't have to have a great faith to come to him. You don't even have to have, to have the right faith. Because I don't know if she knew who he was totally. But he meets us where we're at. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad you don't have to sit here and sort out how much faith do I need to come? I don't understand it all, so I'm going to sit here until I do. You just come as you are. Bring you all you know of yourself to all you know of him. That's all it is, folks. That's what salvation is. That's what anything is. Just bring all you know about yourself to all you know about him. He will meet you where you're at, and he'll minister to you where you're at. Fifthly, when you get saved, a public testimony is important. I know some of us get saved outside the church. And we wonder, do we need to come down the aisle and declare it publicly? Yes, you do. Once again, Jesus doesn't save people to be secret agents. He saves us to be soldiers who put on the uniform and walk down the aisle proudly. If you have received Christ in your home or you've received Christ outside the church, you've not made it public in the church, you need to. You also need to be baptized. Baptism doesn't save you from your sins. It doesn't add to your salvation. doesn't complete your salvation. Baptism is a testimony that you have met Jesus. Everything about baptism speaks of the fact that you have met Jesus and been saved by him. You're part of his death. You're part of his burial. You're part of his resurrection. you've been saved here today and you've not been baptized, you need to be baptized. You need to leave your seat and come and make that request tonight. The next baptism, I want to be part of it. And then lastly, don't wait till a crisis to come to Jesus. Why do we wait till our lives have fallen apart to come? I told you that desperation brings most people. But wouldn't it be wonderful just to come without desperation? Not to come, not to come without a crisis. To come because you see what he can do for you before you ever get there. Save yourself some headache and heartache. And come to him while times are good. And don't wait till times are bad. I don't know if you ever watched Underdog. Y'all remember that cartoon? Some of y'all shaking your head. <laughs> no need to fear. Underdog is here. Can I play off that a little bit? No need to fear. Jesus Christ is here. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.